And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I am recording two podcasts in one week. We're back to normal. It's it's noon on Thursday. I think we're going to get this thing up in the afternoon on Thursday. I assume we are. The Wizards won a basketball game. They beat the Magic. They never beat the Magic. That That's the state of Wizards basketball right now. The Wizards just snapped a six-game losing streak to the Magic. They got swept by the Magic last year and lost the first two this year, but they beat the Magic, the unbeatable Orlando Magic. Things are going great. Bradley Beal's back from his injury, and uh, and I have the podcast guest. You know, they say, like, Norm MacDonald is the best talk show guest or Bill Burr is the best talk show guest. Well, Ben Standig is the best Wizards podcast guest, and I got him again. Yeah. Um, f- f- fun fact, you told me that in your previous podcast that you did with the great Ava Wallace that you guys mentioned me in a way that was like, OK, well, I need to go hear this because you said it was like you guys were like kind of making fun of the fact that despite the fact that I don't actually cover this team anymore, um, you uh, you you uh, you know, that I still am, am, am actively paying attention and, and more so. And so, like, I could have just said to you, what point of the podcast was this mentioned? And I was like, eh, I don't want to do that. Plus, I don't even want to like tell Fred I'm doing this. It's like ridiculous. So like, I like I care. So I just listened to it, which was fine. It was it was uh, you know good, good stuff out of the both of you. It was literally the last thirty seconds of the podcast. Like literally, <laughs> I, I listened for forty five minutes to the last for, for the last thirty seconds. I was like, oh my god. You know, I wish I could say that I did that intentionally, but you didn't ask. <laughs> I did not ask. ask. I was I was embarrassed to ask. Apparently, I'm not embarrassed to say it now. <laughs> right, you're. You're you're embarrassed to ask privately, but you'll declare it on a podcast that that tens of people listen to. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I I believe I used the term mainlining Wizards coverage. I believe that was the phrase I said. You did. You did. And I, I I stand by it. No, no, it's fair. I, I I'll, I'll be honest. Like nobody cares about this, but like you know, I I I heard you, you know, in, in part of your conversation, you were saying that you know you don't. I think you said this on that on that podcast. I think we've talked about it before that you don't pur- you purposely have avoid covering baseball because you don't want your fandom to get ruined by that, right? I think you guys talked about that on the podcast, right? I I must have because that's exactly how I feel. So I once I say something, it completely goes out of my head on a podcast. <laughs> I I have no I have no idea whether I say something. I don't know if this is the same for you, but I have no idea whether I say something on a podcast. Or just in conversation to someone, because you know Ava and I are good friends. We talk a lot. You and I are good friends. We talk all the time. I don't remember what I say to you in conversation versus what I say to you on a podcast, uh, which I guess shows how organic our podcasts are. But I don't remember. I don't yeah. remember if I said that to you. But either way, well, that is true. Yeah, and so I bring this up because, like, you know, for me, like, I basically at some point have covered essentially all the teams in town that I grew up rooting for. And, you know, I, I've stated, I mean, I'm emotionally dead inside, like, on multiple levels. Uh, uh, uh anyway so the uh you know like i have thought to myself 
would it make sense to just strictly stop any team that is not the current one I'm getting paid to cover the football team? Should I just reverse, like never cover them again and not even do talk about them in these public ways and only focus on them as if I'm interested in, in, in a fan, in a fan way, like, could I go back to those ways back in the day? I don't know if it's even conceivable. And in this case, I really don't think it's conceivable because of the whole seeing how the sausage is made and, you know, just whatever. But, uh, but yes, that, that, that is why on some level I still keep going here. It's not that I'm a fan by any stretch. It's just that I'm in, I'm invested based on decades of giving a crap. Yeah. There's no way. I think it's irreversible. Once you cover once you cover a team like on a beat, and you just look at the league completely differently. I, I look at, you know, I said I've never covered I've I covered college baseball when I was in college. I was a you know a, a reporter covering the Mizzou baseball team when I was in college, but I've never covered MLB for one second of my life. And I still look at MLB differently because I cover the NBA because, you know, there's there are overlaps on team building. There are overlaps on covering athletes. And, you know, I, I look at players across all sports. I look at the humanity of players so much more because you get to know players. And so you think of players as people more than you do when you're just like a 16 year old fan you know, just rooting for guys in a TV or from the stands, you know? Uh, and so I, yeah, that carries over so much for me independent of the sport now. I mean, that's not even just a basketball thing. So my fandom of other sports is all, is already affected by doing this job. By the way, I think that's a good thing. I like being able to look at the humanity. I like being able to look at a guy who is injury prone and not say, Oh, he, he's, he's so soft. He won't get out there and think, man, it's probably killing that guy a gazillion times more than it's killing any of us that he can't get out there. Like I, I like that perspective. Uh, but I, 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 I don't need to be in the Yankees locker room. I want to sit there. I want to root for the Yankees and be happy. Yeah, no, no. I, like I said, I think there's something to that. Uh, I think for me originally it was just the idea of like, one, I was trying to figure out how to, what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I only, the only thing I'm good at talking about is sports and even that's debatable. So how could I like somehow get into, to, to, to do this? And anyway, one thing led to another and, you know, I never thought I would ever get close to anything I'm doing now uh, or, you know, have the, have these opportunities. I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, <laughs> yes, like so many of the teams, I'm just like, oh my God, why, why did I do this to myself? But anyway, what do you get there? All right. Here's an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about Bradley Beal. How about that? I'm wizards after dark. I like it. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to read some of these quotes. These are from Wednesday night after the game. So Beal missed five consecutive games because of a hip injury, which he revealed after the game on Wednesday. The Wizards had him listed as being out with a hip contusion. He said after the game that it was because of moralgia parasthetica, uh, which I misunderstood when he first said it and thought it was natalgia parasthetica, which is a back thing. This is a thigh and side of the thigh and hip thing. Beal said it's a day-to-day thing. He missed five games. It was a game-time decision and basically gave it a go during pregame warm-ups before those games and then couldn't go. And then he was a game-time decision on Wednesday night against Orlando, ended up playing. Played 30 minutes on a minutes limit. Had 26 points, played well, moved well. Anyway, he said after the game, though, it's a day-by-day thing. I could wake up tomorrow and be in excruciating pain for all I know. It's ultimately my decision and it's nobody else's. These are all different quotes. Nobody knows my body better than me. Our training staff does an excellent job of just trusting me and being, ar- and being around them and kind of gaining their trust. 
We all have the same mentality when it comes to me playing. There are times I'm going to be hard-headed and play probably when I shouldn't. But with something like this that, that can possibly be holding me out longer than what I really want, I'm definitely going to play it smart and kind of be selfish. And when he says be selfish, he means sit out. That's how Beal views these things. He talks about it kind of in that light all the time whenever he has to sit because he very pridefully likes to play as many minutes and as many games as he possibly can. He had that 194 game consecutive games played streak uh, from 2017 to 2019. Uh, He said uh, after the game as well, part of me didn't want to play, but I knew I had to, or part of me tonight didn't want to play, but I knew I had to play. It's one of those things where you just got to push through eventually. And I was able to tolerate a lot of it tonight. I didn't have any of the pains I felt in the past week and a half. So I feel good from that standpoint. Says he's cupping, says he's dry needling. Um, there are more quotes. I have a story up on the athletic DC, which you can go check out with all of Beal's quotes and some analysis of the situation as well. And some analysis of how the wizards have handled injury situations that, you know, care are, 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 I would say related just in that they're on the fence injury situations in the past. Check that out in the athletic DC. If you're not a subscriber to the athletic you can sign up, by the way, at theathletic.com slash wizards after dark for $3.99 a month. That's theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. Uh, Benjamin, long, 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 long time of me just talking just now. What do you make of those quotes when you hear them? Well, for, first of all, uh, what what what's the name of the hip issue again? Uh, oh man, now I gotta call it up again. Well, that's Mar- all right. Moralgia, Moralgia Parasthetica. Wow. I, for a second, when you first said that, I thought that was like the name of like a Romanian gymnast from the eighties or something. That is a, that is a name. Uh, I have no idea what that means, but it doesn't, I could, good. I could see like Moralgia sticking the landing. Yeah. Yeah. It would work. A hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, um, or, or maybe it's a, a a player on some internet a European team that Giannis Antetokounmpo blocked the shot of uh, back in the day or something. I don't know. Um, all right. Anyway, so okay. So I pulled up the the, the the playoff standings while we were while while you were talking. So the Wizards are right this minute. They are three and a half back of the ten seed. They're also three and a half ahead of the team in last place in the Eastern Conference, the Detroit Pistons. And I think that, you know, my perspective has been, look, you know, and I, I think I suspect yours as well and others, like they should stop focusing on the 10 seed and focus more on just the broader picture of this team. Now, Bradley Beal may not necessarily view it that way because we don't know what the broader picture, what, what the future is with him and this team. That's obviously part of the conversation we've all had. So he may be looking at this like, well, look, I need to get back out there. But, you know, both it's just a pride thing. This is what I do. I had those points earlier in my career where people considered me me to be injury prone and I needed to prove that wasn't the case. I think we are way past that. I don't think that's the case anymore, but it could be in his head. There's also things like, I don't know, the all NBA situation that I'm sure we may talk about in a minute, but just like the idea of, hey, he's had an incredible year. He wants to continue to do it and, and, and finish strong and all that. And I get all that. But like the idea that like, so, like that he that it's up to him that that's the part that really stands out to me like I, I understand it to a degree only the person can know for sure the pain that they're feeling that that applies to any of us but like they they have coaches they have general managers they have ownership they have people who are there to say hey you need to um we, you know we need to be more cautious here if you're feeling any kind of pain if you're not 100% or even close to it or whatever 
we don't need to be playing you right now because we need to look at the bigger picture. And realistically, the Wizards should be thinking that bigger picture is next year, not getting to the 10 seed, even if that's a continually stated goal. It doesn't mean the players shouldn't try and all that stuff. But, you know, the, it, it just seems kind of nuts. So, I mean, I, I hope he's okay. I hope he's not doing any crazy damage. I hope he didn't wake up in excruciating pain today, as he uh, stated it was conceivable. But at the same time, um, none of that sounds great. And I really would hope that somebody would step in and say, hey, man, we can't have you out there. You're too valuable to us. You're too valuable for yourself. We don't need you getting further injury here to chase this 10 seed, which, you know, whatever we may be saying publicly, privately, realistically, cannot be some goal that we're pushing so hard to potentially risk you getting hurt worse. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a pro- that's a proper perspective. There there are two ways to play through injury. I'll add I'll add I'll add the other side for it for the sake of this. Uh there there are two two very broad circumstances in which you can be playing while air quotes hurt, right? I remember Derek Jeter used to say when you're injured you can't play, when you're hurt you can play. And to bring it back to the Yankees analogies, uh there there are two different kinds of very very broad scenarios. The first one is you're playing hurt and whatever the part of your body that's hurt can get worse by you playing. The other part is you're playing hurt and you can't worsen the injury, which there are certain injuries like that, which you can play through. And the only question is, can you withstand the pain? And if you can personally withstand the pain, you're not at necessarily higher risk than you would be otherwise than you would be in a normal situation by playing through that injury. I don't know what that scenario is here. I will say if if Beal is 1% more likely to worsen this injury, then I don't see why you would play him when you're 18 and 32 when you have to be thinking about next year. And and remember, injuries are not binary in that you're hurt. So if you're going to get hurt, if you're going to make things worse, then it's because of that injury. I mean, if you're playing in pain, you know, you could be favoring what you could have a compensatory injury. You know, if you're playing in pain because your right hip or right thigh or whatever it is with Beal is really bothering you and you're playing through that pain. So you subconsciously start favoring your left side. Well, you're a little bit more likely for an injury on the left side of the body because you've been overcompensating from the pain on your right side. Right. So there's a lot more nuance that goes into this than just is he more likely to hurt the hip? Is he equally as likely to hurt the hip as if he didn't have this injury at all is he just playing through pain if he doesn't have pain uh you know is is the compensatory aspect of this not going to be there so it's fine you know i don't really know all the answers to that question to those questions yet uh i would like to ask certain versions of them tomorrow uh pregame before they play golden state on friday night uh i will i'm sure ava will i'm sure other people will um but, you know, it's it, it, it's just hard to look at a scenario where the guy who's leading the league in scoring, who is clearly your best player, is playing hurt with 24 games left on a team that's 18 and 32. And by the way, you mentioned three and a half games out of the 10th spot in the Eastern Conference. They're tied for fifth right now for fifth best lottery positioning. That's the important number, you know, like. You talk about perspective, that's part of the perspective for next year. Go get, go get your pick, uh, you know? Go get your pick. So 
I'm not I'm not sitting here saying this is what they should do, this is what they shouldn't do. Um but I am saying that if there is a greater chance of Beal getting hurt or Beal worsening the injury or Beal having a compensatory one, I just I don't see why he would be playing. So common sense says to me, you know, I I, I did a story earlier this year where I spoke to Tommy Shepard, I spoke to people around the organization about the resting plan they had Russell Westbrook on. And, you know, they talked about the, they, you know, ultimately health takes precedence over trying to win games. Now, Westbrook was playing through an injury at the time, which at the time I wrote that story, I, I didn't even know the effect it was having on him to that degree. You know, you, you see now the athleticism he's playing with and how he looked at the beginning of the year. You can tell how extreme that quad injury was and how it was affecting him the first month and a half of the season. But, you know, they talk about how ultimately the player sits if he's not feeling up to it. You know, I I, I can't do anything more than take them at their word at that. Uh, so if that's the case, I would assume that, you know, Beal is not at risk of, of further injury from doing this. But I agree with you. It's just jarring to hear the player as the final word. Because ultimately you would you would hope it's the doctor's decision, you know? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the sports are different, but like I just went through this with the Washington football team. Obviously, Alex Smith's injury, presumably people here are aware, but obviously the the former quarterback who had, you know, uh, as horrific as a leg injury, which was, a th- you know, threatened to, to lose the limb and, and maybe even threaten his life when it happened in 2018. But, you know, he comes back, makes an incredible comeback. But last year he played several games, but was held out late in the season, including in some games, including the playoff game. And ultimately, Ron Rivera, the head coach, decided that based on listening to the medical staff and to some degree seeing what he could see with Alex Smith, didn't use him, a guy who was easily his most experienced player in a playoff game, and instead Washington started a quarterback who was not even in the league one month prior. And I only make that point to say that you're telling me that it just – that seems more of a normal circumstance in in these cases. The people in charge making the decisions – on who is going to play in all kinds of ways, including health, and to hear the player here say, you know, that it's up to him. And I know NBA players tend to have a lot more power than NFL players for all all the sort of obvious reasons, um, contractual and otherwise. But regardless, it's still kind of a jarring situation and uh, or jarring to hear, (coughs) for sure. Yeah, it's not the first time it's happened in NBA history. It's not the first time I've heard players say that. It's not the first time I've heard organizations go that way. It just it always stands out when you hear it. I I want to I want to bring up Ben. Um, we we got into a debate. I shouldn't say a debate. It wasn't really a debate. It was more of just a conversation in our in our Slack channel with with you, me, and Da. It was like a couple of weeks ago about Bradley Beal's chances at All NBA. And Beal is leading the league in scoring right now. He's averaging thirty one point two points a game. I I don't think he's and the reason I bring this up now is because if he ends up missing more games for this, you know, he, he as you just referenced, said there's a chance he could wake up in excruciating pain the next day. And I assume if you're in excruciating pain, as tough as Bradley Beal is, as much as he wants to play, and and Lord knows he wants to play. You all right, Ben? Are you going to play through this? <laughs> you playing through? I'm good, man. Oh, I was like, oh my God, did I lose you? He's not responding. Oh uh, no, sorry. Uh, I, I'm, no, I'm 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 right here. Um, but yeah, I assume as much as Bradley Beal wants to play, if he's in excruciating pain, he's not going to. So if if he misses 
a number of games, you know, that that'll affect all NBA, even if he still qualifies for, you know, league leaders and all that. He's missed eight games so far. That is definitely not a disqualifying number. But I mean, I don't think he's a guarantee for all NBA. I think he could end up being in a similar position to what he was last year. So here are some of the names uh, that that I threw in the story from this morning that are contenders for all NBA guard. Luka Doncic is a guarantee. He's making one of those teams. James Harden is a guarantee. He's making one of those teams. Damian Lillard is a guarantee. He's making one of those teams. I'm going to say Steph Curry is is damn close to being a guarantee. Kyrie has a similar issue to what I was just mentioning, where he's, I think, missed 15 games now, something like that, and, and that could be a problem. But Kyrie is having an unbelievable season and has a great chance. One of Chris Paul or Devin Booker, I'm going to say, is getting on there. Those guys are both having great years. The Suns legitimately have a chance to end up with the best record in the NBA. If the Suns end up with the best record in the NBA, one of those guys is getting on there. What a story, by That's the way. Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. And if they don't end up with the best record in the NBA, they're going to end up with the second best or third best because they're a hell of a team. And those guys are having incredible seasons. Those are two great players. Chris Paul is still, my goodness, he's amazing. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, if the Suns don't end up with the best record in the NBA, it could very well be the Jazz. And Donovan Mitchell's having a really excellent year. He has a legit, I don't think he's going to get on there. You want to make a case for Donovan Mitchell? I have no problem with that. Chris Middleton is having another excellent season. Ben Simmons is having another excellent season. I think that's 10 guys. And that doesn't even get into the fact that LeBron James had dual eligibility last year at guard and forward. So if he has the same thing this year, there are voters who could slot him in as a guard. I put LeBron as a guard last year. Problem is, when you put LeBron as a guard, you only have six guard spots. It knocks off your who would you know the guy who would otherwise be your sixth guard. Kawhi Leonard had dual eligibility last year. Jimmy Butler had dual eligibility last year. You know that's like thirteen guys. There are only six spots, not including Bradley Beal. I'm not saying all those guys have a case over Beal. I don't believe that to be true. I'm just saying that I think all of those guys are going to get votes. And there are scenarios which any of those guys could take votes away from Beal. I think it's going to be really tough for him, independent of games missed. And if he, you know, even if he, you know, even if he ends up playing every game the rest of the year, putting up the exact same numbers, I think it's going to be tough for him. If he ends up missing more, you know, quantity matters when you're talking about the highest quality. So I don't know. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, so I think the point I was more pro Beal gets in than than you guys were, which isn't to say that I'm uh, you know p- pretending he's a lock because obviously you just mentioned all the reasons you know all the different players involved and you know I think the biggest issue is like this multi positional aspect where guys who we would typically view as forward could somehow be voted in as a guard if somebody wanted to play around like that. Um, my my basic point on Beal was this: I think a lot of times when it comes down to these kinds of decisions. It's a perception versus a reality situation in many in many ways. Um, I think the difference between for Beal this year versus last year is that exact thing: perception versus reality. Last year, 
he was viewed as part of a completely lousy team. And when people went to examine his numbers, they, they, they dropped him down because of things like, what did we hear so much last year? Bradley Beal stinks on defense. Look at the defensive numbers. If they were any good, you know, if, you know, it, you know, they, they stink. I can't reward a player on a lousy team and all that. That is not the narrative we've heard largely this year on Bradley Beal from the beginning. The narrative this year has been, you know, free Bradley Beal. He's an amazing player, having a great year. Uh, the team stinks. It's not his fault. He's since then he was voted in as a starter to the NBA All Star game. He was the we talked about this on the podcast at, at, earlier in the year. He was the talk of the league beyond LeBron and Durant and Curry. He was the guy being discussed the most as a, of anybody because of the constant uh, trade rumor you know, ideas. They, they need to get rid of him. And I think from that, he has been talked about in such high regard this year that I think that the team's suffering is not nearly as relevant as it was last year. Now, again, if he misses, you know, what, what do they have, 22 games left? Uh, something like that? Um, 20, 24. 24, yeah. okay. So, like, if he— Oh, 20, 22. Sorry, 22. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if he misses, you know, he's already now missed a few. If he misses a bunch more, look, at some point you have to play, obviously, right? And, and, and the baseline levels, people will compare numbers. It's, you know, if he doesn't play, then his scoring average will drop. But, you know, uh, uh, that that that's the type of thing I think could be a deal breaker where somebody says, well, I would like to give it to him, but he only played this many games and somebody else played this many more. And at some point that's an issue. But I think the perception of Bradley Beal is massively different from where it was a year ago. And that perception is why I think he can get in. Now, again, you just uh, there are a lot of other players, and that is going to be the challenge. Um, but at the same point, I do think it's different than it was a year ago because of that sense of, from the start of the year that he is a great player playing on a lousy team. Whereas last year, I don't think people appreciated what he was doing as much and focused more on the lousy team part. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said. I think that's true. I just think the guard candidates are better this year. And, you know, Curry's in a similar position, but I think he gets a bump for being Stephen Curry and because he's also having a fantastic season. I mean, you look at some of the guys who are on the list this year, they weren't they weren't contenders last year. You know, Curry was hurt. Kyrie played 20 games or whatever it was. Uh, you know, Booker, that was before the Suns had their surge. So, so Booker was kind of playing in irrelevance there. Uh, you know, it just... It's really, it's a really, really, really tough crop. Really tough. Uh, you know, James, James Harden might not make first team. I mean, amongst Doncic, Lillard, and Harden, one of those guys is not, at least one of those guys is not making first team, which is crazy. 
There are just so many guards putting up tremendous numbers. And Beal could make it. I mean, I think he's got a better argument than Chris Middleton, who I think is a great player. I voted for Chris Middleton for All-NBA last year. He's a great player, and he's having another fantastic season. The guy is a wildly underrated scorer. He, Kevin Durant is the best mid-range shooter in the league, but Chris Middleton, I think, has a case of being number two. And that guy is an outrageous scorer from everywhere on the floor. He's an unbelievable jump shooter, and he's a better facilitator than he gets credit for. You know, I, I would have Beal over him, but there are people who are going to disagree with me on that. Uh, there are people who are really prone to Ben Simmons because he might be the defensive player of the year. Uh, you know, there there are people who are going to look at the Jazz and say, who is the best player on the team with the best record in the league? And my answer is Rudy Gobert. And I think Gobert is getting in there on third team center. But there are people who are going to say, hey, Donovan Mitchell, 25 a game, shooting 40 from three, he's having a hell of a season. Put them both on. They have the best record in the league. So... I just think it's going to be hard and when you have those those three guys at the top who are absolute locks and Curry as an argument is a lock and there are going to be people who consider Kyrie as a lock because they're not going to care as much about the games missed. Uh, and I also think that voters are going to care less about games missed this year. And maybe this is an argument for Beal too uh, if he ends up missing a significant chunk that will keep him there. Uh, but I think voters will probably care a little less about games missed this year because of the context of the season with the crazy schedule and you know all the health and safety protocol stuff that's happened with so many different players. It's just not going to be easy. There are so many guys who put up numbers now, and it's just you know as well as I do. It's just not easy when uh, you know you're doing on a team that's 18 and 32 compared to most of these guys who aren't just on playoff teams, but they're on you know teams that are playing 600 plus basketball you know yeah yeah no i mean for sure i mean like i said i mean when you know when when the voting hits the fan when you actually have to turn in the votes people will look at the standings and if the wizards you know like you know what they're about to go on this road trip you know i mean they've been on a road trip but they're about to go out west you know you blow these you blow these games and, and you know you start putting yourself in a position where you're you know People say, wait, they're as close to Orlando and Detroit, two teams that have traded away and gotten rid of all their good players. Uh, they're closer to those teams than they are the teams ahead of them. I mean, absolutely, stuff like that could be a factor. But uh, like I said, I just think if, if he can if he can hold on, if he if he you know if he can play, as we discussed, shouldn't force it, but if he can play and the Wizards don't completely collapse here from a record standpoint more than they kind of are now, then I think the perception is going to be fine for him within reason. I mean, but at the same point, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. The amount of players, um, you know, who are worthy, you know, at, at his, at his position. And that's part of the deal. I guess here's the, the, the fun question is, you know, we remember what happened last year when he wasn't, when he didn't get on that team. Now he also last year didn't get on the all-star team, which this year he obviously started. So maybe if he didn't make the all NBA team, the blow, wouldn't be, you know, from, from Team Beal wouldn't be as as devastating. But if, in fact, that were to happen and people were, you know, people have to then come out and give their reasons. Why didn't you vote Bradley Beal? And people say, well, he plays on a bad team. Does that change anything going forward into this offseason with Bradley Beal and how he views the idea of staying here? If two years in a row he's put up insane numbers. And granted, he wouldn't be getting 30 points on a game if he was playing on a team that had other all-stars, right? I mean, that, that that's just not how that would work. But, you know, if he's playing at a high level like this and he's going to get dinged because of the team, if that's the way people would come out and say it, which would be the likely reason, 
yeah, I wonder how does that factor in with any thoughts that he may have um, it going forward. He's stated, obviously, he wants to stay here, so I'm not trying to suggest that he would force his way out. But at the same time, you know, you wonder if two years in a row that were to happen, um, you know, what would that what would that mean uh, for his, uh, you know, for his mindset? Yeah. And and for what it's worth, people bring up all NBA with Beal in relation to getting a Supermax all the time. It's it's pretty irrelevant here. Uh, the Supermax is not necessarily a special contract for every player in the NBA. What it does is there are three different levels of max contracts on a basic level. If you've been in the league for less than seven years, you get a max contract that starts at 25% of the salary cap. If you've been in the league for seven to nine years, you can get a max contract that starts at 30% of the salary cap. If you've been in the league for 10 plus years, you can get the largest max contract, which starts at 35% of the salary cap. And what the Supermax is, is if you're not yet a 10-year veteran, there are certain awards you can get that make you eligible for the 35% max, even though based on the time you've been in the league, you, you're only eligible for the 30% max. Beal, when he hits free agency in 2022... There is a reason he set up that contract that way. When he hits up free agent, when he hits free agency in 2022, he'll be a 10-year veteran. He's eligible for the 35% max, whether he makes All NBA or doesn't make All NBA. So it it, it doesn't really matter uh, in terms of uh, you know getting the super max in in free agency. That's not that's not a deal. I see people bring that up, and I, I just wanted to set the record straight, uh, Ben. Before we wrap up, I I have to. I have to trigger you. And I imagine that saying before we wrap up, I'm going to have regrets because this conversation is probably going to last six hours knowing you, but the wizards <sighs> released Jerome Robinson. They waived Jerome Robinson, uh, officially on Thursday morning. They, uh, you know, Woj has reported. They are signing Jordan bell to a 10 day contract. Uh, David Aldridge and I reported in a story we wrote before the trade deadline that, you know the Wizards. If they opened up a roster spot, there was it was it was very possible they bring Jordan Bell back. Bell was on a ten day earlier this year. It was very possible they bring Bell back in some capacity, maybe a two way, maybe a ten day. They opened up a roster spot. They're bringing him back in a ten day. Uh, ben, you you are more passionate about the fifteenth man on the Wizards roster. I don't know what the hell is going on in your background right now. But the, you are more passionate I mean, about 15... two of us. I don't know what is happening. There's like some weird <laughs> noise is going on here, and I'm trying to sort it out. Sorry. Hey, you're rummaging. Uh, you are more passionate about the 15th man on the Wizards roster than most people are about their children. So I'm just going to say, I'm just going to step away, and I'm just going to let you talk. What do you think? <laughs> um, I, I, I'm actually like not like. Like, I don't have, like, a big take on getting rid of Jerome Robinson or the idea that Jordan Bell would come in. I mean, look, I give Tommy Shepard credit for finding these opportunities to take advantage of, you know, uh, you know when, when, when other teams out there are looking to move players that, you know, maybe they didn't work out in their spot for whatever the reason that they hope would work here. Um, you know, we, we saw this work the most successfully, essentially, with – the Davis Bertans trade, uh, where, where the Spurs were looking to move his salary to do some other things, and Washington had to give up very little to to get him. And then they did a similar deal with the Lakers for Mo Wagner and 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 Bonga that cost them nothing. Um, similar with uh, the, the Jerome Robinson deal with Isaiah Thomas, right? Um, 
I have zero issue with, the, with, with when they try these things, even if ultimately they don't work out. I guess my thing would be, and, and look, in Jerome Robinson's case specifically, like at no point has he ever, has it looked like there was something interesting here. Like with, at least with Troy Brown, you know, regardless of where his career ends up going, there were things about his game that I still do like. The, 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 the passing ability, some good size, you know, whatever. It didn't work out and maybe it's on him or whatever. I guess just with here, though, it's a constantly this idea of is the player development system that Washington has, is it strong enough to really turn players into to help them take it to another level? And then combined with the coaching situation of like the rotation we've talked about all the time. Uh, like I said, I'm not sitting here going Jerome Robinson with hose the way I did with, say, Troy Brown and, and have with others. Uh, so whatever. It's it, Look, it's super weird that what? How many games ago was it? He played 36 minutes. Right, right after they made the yeah, uh, <laughs> like a week ago. Yeah, I mean there were injuries and then made a trade, but at the same point, like you didn't have to play him thirty six minutes. Went from playing thirty six minutes to releasing him, like that's weird for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm not like like oh wow, this is a, such a ridiculous uh, move. I will, I guess I would say on some level, I, I don't. Like, they've had Jordan Bell up and down. I don't quite get why. I mean, I, you know, I know Gafford is hurt, but like. I, I don't know. Are they short bigs right now? Like I don't. And and even if they are, like whatever. I guess I would be more like, why not bring in somebody else who haven't observed yet <laughs> to try them out and see what they do. Maybe they become the, uh, you know, the, your random guy who who we we look at and think, oh, he's pretty interesting. Maybe he should be back next year in some capacity. Um, that would be my only quibble on it. But beyond that, I guess it's just more of, you know, Jerome Robinson, the player. Eh, you know, I didn't see that much. I, I think the same for you as a player, but, but, you know, the, the, the lack of player development, it feels like consistently with these players and the rotation aspect, it just like sort of, that, that, that was kind of the bigger aspect of it for, for me, along with like why Jordan Bell. Yeah. I, I just think the inconsistency between the front office and the coaching staff and how they handle certain players is, is pretty obvious. And I don't know, kind of weird, you know, Jerome Robinson doesn't get his fourth year option picked up. And then he enters the rotation over Troy Brown, who does get his fourth year option picked up. Yes. And Troy Brown ends up out of the rotation. Jerome Robinson ends up out of the rotation for the majority of the year. But the timing of it was just strange to see Jerome Robinson play actual rotation minutes and, and Troy Brown not. Uh, you know, Robinson then doesn't play at all essentially for a month and a half or a little more than a month and a half. And then he jumps back into the rotation and, and he didn't, you know, Beal was hurt and they had other injuries, obviously, but they didn't need to play him 30 minutes. I mean, Bongo was getting DMPs and clearly Bongo was more a big greater part of their future. Even if Bongo's a restricted free agent after this year walks, even if they have no interest in resigning him, clearly he's a greater part of their future because they just released Jerome Robinson with 22 games to go in the season, right? So it it's just weird to then see Robinson get released so they can sign a 10 day guy, which is fine. He was shooting 29% from the field. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Um, but it's weird to see him play, you know, start three consecutive games over say Bonga or Garrison Matthews, or it's not even the starting it's, it's the, the minutes total. And, and then he gets released. It's there is, there is an inconsistency there which the coaching staff and the front office are are not on the exact same page about specific players. And it, it stands out 
in moments like this. Yeah. It's. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, just to compare it to the team that I cover primarily, like one of the issues that the football team had for many years was exactly this, that the front office would take players that the coaching staff didn't necessarily want or need or know how to use or, or whatever. It's just like, it didn't make sense. And that was part of the, been part of their issue over time. It, it's different a little bit. Now it feels we'll, we'll see. We're only in year two under Ron Rivera, but since he is the coach, but also the final decision maker, whether that's good or bad, I don't always like one person sort of having both roles to a degree, but okay, at least he's going to be on board with what he thinks on both, on both fronts. And here, I mean, Troy Brown is one of many, uh, many candidates where it's just like the front office clearly liked this guy enough to pick him 15th. And it never felt for one second that he made sense for this coach. And that's the type of stuff that like gets you in the trouble. You can't, I mean, you can't in the, in the NFL, you can't, you can't miss on first round picks, but you have seven rounds of players. And a lot of times we see starters or key contributors come in all these rounds. In the NBA, you basically have one round, right? I mean, the second round is a complete wild card, whatever, right? The the first round, you cannot miss on the 15th pick in the draft. And I don't mean he has to become an all-star, but he has to play. He has to be in the rotation. He has to be something uh, or even a piece that you trade for something more. I was sort of impressed they were able to even get Gafford. But, you know, like it, that is a miss. And it feels like it's a miss primarily because the – the front office and the coaching staff were not on the same page. And uh, yeah, like that to me going forward is like a big, a, a big component of this. Like I said, I don't necessarily put Jerome Robinson into that category, but yes, why? Like you, you, great point. I'd forgotten. <laughs> why are you playing Jerome Robinson over Troy Brown when one guy you've established is more of your future than the other guy is uh, like, yeah, stuff like that is, what is, uh, is, is the stuff that drives me crazy. All right, Ben, what do you, uh, what do you got to plug before we wrap? Um, well, I'll just mention for on my podcast, the Standard Grimaldi podcast, I interviewed uh, Stanford coach David Shaw today, uh, talked about some of his players in the draft and, and some other NFL topics and, and so on. It was really good. He's a really interesting guy to talk to, to, talk to. so I would just say uh, check that out, subscribe to that, and uh, obviously a lot of NFL draft stuff going on on the athletics. So if you're subscribing to, to Fred, you can get me as well or vice versa, whatever. So uh, check that out. Great. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. If you're just randomly listening to this episode, tell your friends about the podcast. If you really love the podcast, you can go on iTunes. You can leave a review. You can give five stars. The written reviews always help. As I always say, they they help more than uh, you might realize. Although if you hear me do this at the end of every episode twice a week, then they probably help exactly as much as you would realize. You can subscribe to The Athletic for $3.99 a month. We're no longer doing the $1 a month deal, but you can sign up for just $3.99 a month if you want great sports coverage. My colleagues are amazing. Ben does an incredible job covering the football team and jumping in on Wizards coverage every once in a while. And and if you go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, you can sign up for $3.99 a month, and that's not just for my coverage. It's not just for Wizards After Dark. That is for everything. That is a full subscription of The Athletic, and it gets you every sport, every writer, every podcast ad-free. Totally worth it, in my opinion. I was a subscriber before I started working at The Athletic. Just go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, and you can sign up there. $3.99 a month. Totally worth it. I will be back with a new episode next week. I'll talk to you guys then.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.